My name is Stuart Mazell, and I'm a pastor here. It's good to see all of you here, and I'm thankful for all of you who are joining us online. Thanks for being here, and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. My favorite Mother's Day story has nothing to do with my mother. It has to do with years ago when I was the assistant or associate pastor here, and Walt Kendall was our senior pastor. And uh, he was going to be away that Sunday, and so he had asked me to preach. And we were preaching through the book of Hosea, and he gave me Hosea 4 to preach on. And I don't know if you know anything about Hosea, but in Hosea, literally, this verse comes up. Uh, It says, you shall stumble by day, the prophet also shall stumble with you by night, and I will destroy your mother." And, and I had to preach on that passage on Mother's Day. So uh, that's my favorite Mother's Day story. All right, moving on. We're, we're continuing our series on reaching out without freaking out. The, the idea here is that God has called us as a church to reach out into our community in the name of Jesus. How do we do that without freaking out about it without, you know, uh, getting in our own heads and getting anxious and not doing it because we're afraid or anxious or bothered by it. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, In the last couple of weeks, we talked about how we can all pray. We can all pray that God would open doors, that he would raise up um, gospel laborers, that we can pray that there would be open doors and opportunities. We can pray for people to come to faith. And then a few weeks ago, we also talked about listening, that one of the things that we as Christians need to do more of is instead of being quick to speak, to be quick to listen. And sometimes that's the best way, especially in this society, in this culture, to be able to connect with people, to be able to hear where they are and connect the gospel to where they are, not where we want them to be. And then uh, last week we had uh, Kevin Thumpston, who was able to preach for us and to remind us of the Holy Spirit's power in giving us what we need to be able to reach out to others. Uh, And that's a very important part of what we need to hear. Today, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 14. And if you would like to uh, read on the screen, you're able to do that. Or if you would like to go into your own Bible, just turn to Luke 14. And uh, we're going to be starting in verse 15. But let me tell you a little bit about the setting before we actually read, because it's sort of in the middle of something. So Jesus was asked to invited to dine at the home of one of the leaders of the Pharisees. And apparently there are a whole bunch of Pharisees there, and they're all watching him and wanting to catch him in something, as the Pharisees were tending to do back then. And Jesus was using this dinner as an opportunity to be able to talk to them about various things. And we're picking up somewhere in the middle of it all. And let me remind you that this is God's word starting in verse 15. When one of those who reclined at table with him, that is with Jesus, heard these things, he said to him, he said to Jesus, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. 
But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges, and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are thankful for this parable. And we know that there's a lot here, a lot that we're not going to be able to deal with today. But what we are able to deal with, will you give us by your spirit, wisdom, humility, and openness to what you want us to hear and how you want us to respond to your word. Father, your word is truth. Help us to see the truth, to know the truth, and let the truth set us free. And Holy Spirit, will you please fill us, fill me particularly right now, that I would have uh, the power to be able to proclaim and to speak truth in a way that would have laser beam accuracy to what we all need to hear today. I know none of this can come about other than your work. So uh, our great God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be at work today to bring about what you want for this church, for your glory, for our good, and for the good of this community. Uh, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Back in 2002, now that's a long time ago, almost 20 years, there was a guy named Robert Kirkpatrick, and he received a letter in the mail. Now, that's not really newsworthy or anything, but he did make the news. The reason... Robert Kirkpatrick made the news for getting, receiving a letter, was that this letter was from former Vice President Dick Cheney inviting him to dinner with President Bush. Imagine receiving an invitation to a dinner with the President. And what that would do for you, what you would think, wow, the President of the United States is inviting me to dinner. Not everyone gets an invitation like that, right? 
I know I've never gotten an invitation by the president to have dinner with him. Unfortunately, there's more to the story than that. Uh, it turns out that the invitation was for a 2,500 plate fundraising dinner. And what's more, the letter was sent to him by mistake. Oh, and then there's this. Robert Kirkpatrick was in prison for drug trafficking when he received the invitation. So it wasn't intended to go to him. It was for a fundraiser, and he was in prison, so he couldn't come. I love what Kirkpatrick had to say, though. He said, I'm going to tell him that I'd be happy to attend, but he's going to have to pull some strings in order to get me there. You know, we've all had that experience of receiving an invitation and recognizing that it was a powerful thing. We've also probably all had that experience of not receiving an invitation to something, and that also had an impact on us, right? I know a friend of mine uh, you know, years ago had a, a party and didn't invite me. Invited all my other friends, but didn't invite me. And I, I have to admit, it, it hurt. But I've also been invited to people's parties where I'm thinking, why in the world did you invite me? I'm nobody to you. And yet I was invited, and it made me feel special, right? And, and even just for a, a flickering moment, Robert Kirkpatrick thought, wow, the President of the United States wants me to come to his dinner. There's a, an, an invitation that has been given to people all around the world that is so much better than having dinner with the president. Uh, an invitation to a kind of dinner that will last forever. A, a dinner that is a, a wedding feast of the lamb. A, a dinner where it will be a celebration forever of our God and what he has done for us in Christ. And before I get too far into that, let's all remember that the invitation that God sends is in part our duty to tell others about. That we are able to invite people to something that God himself invites them to. All right, so let's dive into this passage and let's look, look at this. One way, one way, everyone, every one of us can reach out to others in the name of Jesus is through an invitation. We've been talking about how we can reach out without freaking out. Well, one way we can do that, every single one of us, is through a simple invitation. Let's take a look at see what this passage says. So in verse 15, we see, When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But then Jesus, in verse 16, says, Let me tell you a parable. Let me tell you a story. And he starts telling the story about a man who had a great banquet, and he invited many. And at the time of the banquet, he sent a servant out, and he said, Tell everybody, Come! 
Everything's ready. And then in verses 18 through 20, some of the people invited declined the invitation. So then in verse 21 and following, the, uh, the servant came and reported these things to the master. The master got angry and he said to his servant, hey, go out and invite other people. Look, go find the poor. Go find the crippled. Go find the blind. Go find the lame. Go find people who they'll be willing to come to my banquet. All these other folks, they're too busy to come to my banquet. They're too, they feel like they're too important to come to my banquet. Bring those people in. And then in verse 22, we see the servant says, sir, what, what you've commanded is done, and hey, there's still room. We still have seats available. And so the master says, go out into the highways. Go out into the hedges. Uh, compel people, anybody, to come in that my house will be filled. Now, there's several things going on in this parable. I mean, part of the point is that there were people that Jesus came to to invite into the kingdom, and they rejected it. And he wanted to make the Pharisees realize that hey, that was them. But another, the flip side of what this parable is saying is that God's kingdom is about invitation. There's an invitation that goes out to the world. Come and take part. Come to this glorious banquet that God himself is presenting to you. Come and be a part of this. And every one of us we are able to invite people to that banquet. Even though we're not the ones hosting it, even though we're not the ones who are in charge of it, we can invite others to the king's banquet. And when we do this, and I want you to hear this, when we do this, when we invite other people to the banquet, we invite other people to what God is doing we are reflecting something of our invitational God. Okay? When we, do, when we invite other people to be a part of what God is doing, we are reflecting ourselves something of our invitational God. Now look, I, I know that there are many ways that we can describe God. You know, he's holy. He's righteous. He's just. He's also loving and gracious and merciful. But you know, one quality of God that you're not likely to find in any systematic theology book, but it surely is in the scriptures, is that God is an invitational God. Did you, did you know that? Did you realize that? That God is a God who invites. How do I know this? Well, let's think about some of the passages of Scripture that maybe you've heard before if you're a believer. And if you're not a believer, you'll hear these for the first time and you'll see God is an invitational God. Think about, for example, Psalm 34, 8. 
Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. You hear the invitation? Taste and see God is good. I invite you to taste and see. Or what about Isaiah 1, 18, where God says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become wool. Here, Isaiah is talking about what God is saying to his people who have left him, who have rebelled against him. And he's saying, look, I know you're full of sin. It's red like blood, and yet I will make you clean. Here's the invitation. Come, let's reason together. I will do this for you if you come to me. It's an invitation. Or think about our call to worship this morning. A beautiful passage from Isaiah chapter 55, right? Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? And you start thinking, okay, well, God's inviting me to water and milk and money. Okay, what? what? But that's not really his point. Because he says, listen diligent to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your eye, ear to me and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. In other words, God is inviting people all over the place to say, without money, without price, without trying to live up to it, Come to me, and I will show you the same love that I gave to David, who the Scripture calls a man after God's own heart. That you too could be a man, a woman, a child after God's own heart, simply by responding to his invitation. Isn't that amazing? Especially given that we're all rebellious people who like to do it our own way and don't like to do it God's way. Or think about the words of Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight, where he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Here is the very God of very God in the flesh, our Lord Jesus, saying, all of you, any one of you who is laboring and you're feeling weary and you're feeling like you're burdened, come to me and I'll give you rest. You, you hear the invitation? Are you, are you getting the point that I'm talking about here? And then, finally, there's John 7, 37, where Jesus says, on the, day of, on the day of the last feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Notice Jesus doesn't say, hey, 
only this side of the room, if you thirst, come to me. Now he says, if anyone, if anyone thirsts, if you have this longing deep in your soul for something more satisfying than what this world can offer, come to me, Jesus says, and I will give you something that really satisfies. Our God is an invitational God, and he wants us to reflect that. Now, just this past week, as I was preparing for this message, I came across a passage I've read numerous times before, and I never connected the dots on this. It's uh, the end of the book, the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, where the passage says, the spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty Come, let the one who desires take the water of life without price. There's an invitation, right? Come. And who is it that says, come? It is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, saying, come to the water. Come to Jesus. But who else is saying it? It's the bride, the bride of Christ. And who is the bride of Christ? It's you. You are the bride of Christ. And so this passage shows us that with the Spirit and the bride are saying, come, let the one who is thirsty come to Jesus. Let him drink this water of life without price. I'm a bunch, I'm, I'm among a bunch of, uh, you know, Reformed Presbyterians, and so I know that some of you are thinking, oh my gosh, Stuart has turned Arminian. It finally happened. I knew him growing up as a Baptist was going to come out sometime. He's just going to leave the faith altogether. The Presbyterian faith, that is. All right, so let's deal with this real quickly. And I mean real quickly. What about all those passages in Scripture that talk about the sovereignty of God over salvation? And, and you know, foreordination and predestination and all those things. How, how does that fit with God being an inviting God? How, how do those two things fit together? Well, well, first of all, that could be a series of sermons in and of itself. In fact, there have been books written on this topic. Books, okay? One book that I'd recommend, if you are really interested, is by uh, Donald McLeod, a name that you should recognize. McLeod, right? And uh, it's called Compel Them to Come In, Calvinism and the Free Offer of the Gospel. Great book. I will say it again. Donald McLeod's Compel Them to Come In, Calvinism and the free offer of the gospel. If you want something that's more in-depth, go there. But for today, in the space of time that I actually have, I want to give you two things. First, the scriptures teach both the sovereignty of God over salvation and the fact that God invites sinners 
all over the world to believe. And if we're going to be faithful to the Scriptures, not just faithful to a tradition, not just faithful to a certain denomination, but if we're going to be faithful to the Scriptures, the Scriptures teach both things. How they work together is a mystery. But the Scriptures teach them both. And if we're going to be people who say we stand on the Word of God, or probably better, that we stand under the Word of God. <laughs> the Word of God is what drives us. The Word of God is what teaches us. The Word of God is what shapes us and makes our beliefs. Then we have to say, there's a tension here, but I'm going to believe what God has said in His Scriptures. As I quoted a few weeks ago, Robertson McQuilkin says, it seems easier to go to a consistent extreme than to stay at the center of biblical tension. And we love going to one way or the other. That's why we have Presbyterians and Baptists and others, because we tend to go one direction and lean hard in that direction. Look, the Scriptures teach both. And so we will teach both. The other thing is that God normally works through means. Okay, God can do what he wants because he's God, but normally he works through, you know, secondary purposes, secondary sources, right? For example, how was your house built? Did God say, let there be house, and there was house, and then you moved in? Is that what happened? No. Someone built your house, right? God normally works through means, and he normally works through means in bringing the elect to himself. And what are those means? An invitation. An invitation to believe. Like Jesus saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. People heard that and they came to him. Right? All who are thirsty, come to me and drink. People heard that and they came to him. And our part, our responsibility, is not who will accept and reject. It's not who's elect and who's not. It's not who's predestined and who's not. That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to send out the invitation. Do you hear what I'm saying? Actually, it takes a big burden off. Because let's face it, while some, that there will be some people who will reject our invitations. But while some will reject our invitations, others will accept. You know, some, some of us are real pessimists, you know? I've been there, I've done that, I've got the T-shirt. T-shirt wore out and I got another one, okay? I, I, I can be a real pessimist at times, a, a real dyed-in-the-wool pessimist. And what the pessimists tend to do, they tend to focus on the negative. Oh, I tried sharing about Jesus with someone and they rejected it. 
and oh, no one will ever accept the message. Really? Is that true? No, of course it's not true. Yeah, there are going to be some who are going to reject. Just like in this parable that Jesus tells. And listen, listen to the stuff that they say. <laughs> the servant goes out at the time of the banquet, verse 17. And he sends the servant out and says, come, everything's ready. Come to the banquet, come and eat. And, and they're like, eh, I got a field. Yeah, I need to go out and see it. What? You can't, like, you know, swing by the field and then come to the banquet? Or you can't go see the field later? Isn't the field still going still to be there? Or, or, or the next one. <laughs> uh, I got these five yoke of oxen, and I need to examine them. Okay. Really? You want to examine oxen instead of enjoying a banquet, right? Okay, I can already tell you, if someone invites me to a buffet where there's bunches and bunches of food, and I've got to choose between that and examining oxen, I think I'm gonna choose the buffet. But this guy thought otherwise. And then there's another one who says, I've married a wife and I can't come. Why can't she come with you? She's your wife. She would enjoy a meal. Maybe you can make a date of it. These folks really didn't have any interest in coming. They didn't. And when we invite people into the kingdom, when we invite people to church, when we invite people to whatever, there are going to be people who are not going to be interested. And that's okay. That's okay. Because our responsibility is not whether they accept the invitation or not. Our responsibility is simply to invite. And while there are people who will reject, there are going to be people who are going to say yes. And look, there are going to be people who are going to say, look, I don't know about all this Jesus stuff. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I believe that or not. But I like you, and you invited me, so in order for me to hang out with you, I'll come. Now you might think, well, that's not the right motive. So, they came, and they're able to hear the truth, the good news, that God invites them to believe that even though they are sinners, just like me, just like you, Jesus took their sin upon himself. He took the penalty of our sin. He broke the power of sin. All at the cross. And then he was buried. And then he rose from the dead to give life to all who believe. And if you believe this, you too will be forgiven of your sins and you will have eternal life. Life that will never end and life that is of such a quality that you can't imagine how good it will be. That's the invitation. 
And all who believe, they have that. that that's what we say. And, and we're not responsible for whether they do that or not, but we are responsible for saying, come and see. Come and see. One of my favorite stories right now in this area is um, a guy named Philip. In the Gospel of John in chapter 1, Jesus is going to Galilee and he finds Philip and he says, follow me. And Philip says, okay. And he follows him. And then Philip finds his friend Nathaniel. <laughs> and he says to him, hey, Nathaniel, we have found the, the guy. We found the Messiah. We found the one. The one whom Moses wrote about in the law. The one who the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus. He's from Nazareth. He's the son of Joseph. And I love Nathaniel's answer. It's like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That podunk town? Really? You think the Messiah's going to come from there? You're nuts. And Philip doesn't argue with him. Philip doesn't try to convince him, right? Philip doesn't go through, you know, the five points of Calvinism and try to talk him into it. No, what he says is, come and see. You don't believe me? Come and see. Just an invitation. Come, come and see. See what it's like. Come and see Jesus for yourself. See what Jesus is up to. And if you read on in that passage, Nathaniel does, and Jesus says some things to him that blows Nathaniel's mind. I don't want to give it away. I want you to read it for yourself. So all of this is to say that we, every one of us, we can be invitational people because our God is an invitational God. And even though people might reject it, there will be people who will accept it. And our job isn't to do that, to worry about that. Our job is simply to go out and invite. So what is your action point for this week? Are you ready for it? It's simple. Invite people regularly to come and see. That's it. Invite people regularly to come and see. Now maybe you're thinking, well, what does that look like? What does it look like to invite people to come and see? It can be something as simple as inviting people to this worship service. Well, not this one because it's almost over, but another worship service just like it, right? Just, hey, I'm going to, um, I'm going to church on Sunday. I would love it if you would come with me. Come and see. Come and see what Jesus is doing at Westminster. Now, maybe you're thinking, eh, that sounds a little bit too much. Well, invite them to Sunday school. Come and see. We're going to be talking about race relations next week. Come and see what God is doing in our midst when it comes to race relations in Sunday school. I mean, that's a topic that people are interested in right now. So come and see what God is up to. Or maybe you're, you inv you're involved in a small group, like a, 
a life group or a Bible study or a fellowship group or something like that. Just come and see. Come with me to our life group, our Bible study. I'd like for you to see what's going on there. Or maybe just invite people into your home for a meal. You know, some, some opportunities that we've had, because we have, um, as a family, we, we usually pray before our meals, and at the end of our dinner, we, we normally read a passage of scripture and we pray for each other. And so when we invite people over, not every single time, but a good number of times, we invite them to be a part of that process. And I simply say, hey, it's our tradition in our home that um, we read a passage of scripture at the end of the ser- at the end of the service, at the end of the uh, meal, and then we go around the table and we share what we would like to pray about, and one of us prays for you. And if we would love for you to join us in that, and if you if you don't feel comfortable with that, that's fine. But we'd love for you to stay and be a part of that. And nobody says, oh, "I don't want you to pray for me." <laughs> I mean, everybody they 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 are interested at least to see what it's like. Because a good number of people never had that. And you can do something similar. Just invite people into your home and then let them see what God is doing in your life. I'm going to go a little bit further and just instead of saying invite people regularly to come and see, I'm going to challenge you. Invite someone to something this week. There's your challenge. It can be the worship service next week or Sunday school or whatever. Invite someone to something for the purpose of them coming and seeing something of Jesus. All right? And you know what? Every single one of you can do it. All it takes is for you to say, would you like to join me would you like to come? That's all. That's it. That's easy. And if they say no, your job's finished. And if they say yes, your job's just beginning. Because then you get to walk with them through that. All right. To sum all this up, remember Robert Kirkpatrick from the very beginning of this, the sermon? His invitation to the dinner with the president. What, what if that had been real? As I read that this week and I was thinking about it, I was like, what what if that had not been a mistake? What if that had been real? What if the President of the United States invited someone who was in prison to actually have a meal with him? And not only to have a meal, and not just a fundraiser, but actually a a, a real fellowship kind of meal where you, you sit down and you talk with the President. And what if in that invitation, he's saying, look, I'm giving you a full pardon from your prison sentence. Not just so that you can come and be with me at this dinner, but just so you don't ever have to worry about that again. And what if you were the one who got to tell that person, hey, the President of the United States has invited you to eat with him. And you get out of prison, and your sentence is done, and you get to sit with the President. 
we have something so much greater than that, right? Something that is so much more beautiful than that, that the God who created all things has invited people all over the world, all over this community, to share a relationship with him and to share a meal with him. And we get to be the people who invite them and tell them, hey, the invitation is for you. Respond. And enjoy what God has for you. Doesn't that, at least a little bit, even for Presbyterians, excite you just a little bit? I know it does me. So let's commit. Let's commit to inviting others often to come and see something of Jesus. I'm going to pray for us that we'll be able to do that. Father, we thank you that you are an invitational God, that you have invited us to this wedding feast of the Lamb, And you have pardoned us of our sins. The sentence of death that was over us. In Christ you have given us freedom. And you've given us this opportunity to be a part of this wonderful, eternal, abundant life that is found only in Jesus. And to be satisfied beyond our imaginings. And then you tell us to go out into the highways and the hedges and compel others to come. Holy Spirit, make us to be an invitational people. That we invite people often to come and see. To come and see what you are doing, to come and see the glory and the wonder of who Jesus is, to, to come and see how you are at work among us. And Lord, we know that some will reject, but we also know that you have those out there who will respond. Encourage us in that. Let us even see many people respond for your glory and for our encouragement and for their good. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.